The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I think that bio's it's a little out of date, <laughs> but good enough. Yeah, Andrea Fellas uh, asked me to speak tonight. She's teaching a uh, retreat with Gil up in Scotts Valley. And Andrea didn't give me a topic that she wanted to cover, so kind of left it up to me to speak about whatever I chose. And usually I kind of wait until I see what's what's actually fairly happening currently in my practice that I feel would be valuable to share with everyone else. And one of the things that helped me was on Monday night, Gil gave a talk uh, describing uh, Vipassana meditation or this mindfulness meditation as simply asking yourself the question, how am I doing? You know, sort of like, how am I doing? What's happening? You know, just a, a simple question like that. And I kept thinking that I would have some really uh, deep, profound, uh, peak experience to talk about. And actually what I found by asking myself that question, how am I doing, is I realized over the last couple of the weeks, I haven't been doing very well. I've been sort of like low-grade um, ill, kind of under the weather. And I, I was thinking, well, hopefully I'll get over this soon so I can start practicing, you know, so I can start, start practicing. And then I realized, oh, there's... There's nothing that happens that's really outside of practice. And being ill, not feeling well, um, a sense of discomfort and disease, is actually just the exact place to be practicing for me right now, because that's where I am. So, I wanted to talk about that. Um, You know, some of I'm not. First of all, I'm not contagious, as far as I know. <laughs> uh, you know, it was. It's more been. You know, I, I've been traveling a lot. I flew to Guam, worked there for a month, came back, drove to Southern California, flew to Wisconsin for a family event. So I've been on the road a lot. Been in a lot of air airports and airplanes. Kind of gotten worn down a little bit. So. Um, so I'm going to go through some of the ways that I've been working with not feeling well as mindfulness practice. So the, f- the first foundation of mindfulness is being mindful of the body, noticing what's going on. And I've actually noticed that that um, it's actually a little bit easier for me to do mindfulness of the body when the body isn't 
um, feeling completely at ease. You know, for example, what, what's been happening is um, I've been running a little bit of a fever, so I've been warm, and I've noticed occasionally I feel kind of sweaty. You know, I feel a little bit damp. Uh, I have a little bit of a sore throat, you know, so I've been able to pay attention to what's, what's sore throat like. Um, not only noticing um, what it's like right now, but noticing over the course of the day and over the course of several days how it changes. And so noticing the changing nature of the, exper- of the physical experience, um, noticing how it gets affected by when I drink tea, when I, when I drink water, when I sit silent for hours on end, when I start to talk. Um, it's all... It's all practice. Um, A little bit of a headache, a little bit of a tightness in the head, um, tightness of the muscles around the eyes. And again, also not only noticing that, but then noticing how it changes with time. You know, noticing how it changes uh, when I get up in the morning. when I'm tired, when I've been looking at the computer screen for a while. Uh, What else? Oh, noticing the general energy in the body. You know, noticing sometimes that it actually, when I'm not feeling well, sometimes it's it's a real challenge to do some things. You know, it's, it's a little bit like walking through molasses. You know, so... It takes uh, a, a little bit more resolve to decide to do something. You know, it's like, oh, okay, I've got to, I've got to apply myself to do this. Also, a little bit more mental energy. You know, that um, problem solving and and uh, addressing issues at work. Um, You know, there seems a little bit more of a limit to it. So, let's see if there's anything else. Yeah, so so that's one area of being sick where I can apply mindfulness to mindfulness of the body itself. Uh, Another area is uh, mindfulness of feeling tone. And again, this is, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there's, uh, it's not feeling, but feeling tone is whether an experience is pleasant, neutral, or unpleasant. And often in feeling uh, ill or under the weather, some of the sensations that arise are kind of unpleasant. And again, I find that it's somewhat easier to keep, stay with unpleasant experience because it seems to, it, it catches me more. It kind of, 
gets my attention when something's not pleasant. More, more so than pleasant, at least for me. So, um, so for things that are kind of mild to moderately unpleasant, it's, it's actually something that I can, a way that I can apply the awareness and stay with, um, stay with my experience and actually strengthen the ability to stay with the experience. When it gets strong, when the unpleasant gets stronger, then there can be, I notice, some uh, aversion arising, some wanting to push away the experience, wanting to um, zone out or shut down or... um, escape as best as I can from the experience. And so over the last few weeks, as I've found some of these states arising, I found, uh, found myself turning on the television and laying on the couch. And to a certain extent, that would draw my awareness away from the, uh, the bodily experiences, the unpleasant bodily experiences. But the zoning out in itself was pretty unpleasant. I mean, it wasn't very... uh, It actually seemed to draw... Whatever energy was there, it seemed to actually reduce it. You know, made it maybe even a little bit more... uh, uh, dull. Yeah, dull and uh, kind of fed on itself. So... So I found that um, by paying attention to what's going on, and particularly by paying attention to something that's unpleasant, there's two things that can happen. One is it can strengthen your ability to be with what's going on, that you don't, you don't have to... You don't have to turn away from it. You can actually turn towards it and look at it directly. And it can strengthen your ability, or I should say, it helps me strengthen my ability to see that I can stay with it and ride it out. That if I think that, that it's a, a single solid experience that's always going to be this way, then that tends to may lead towards aversion. But when I can see that it's, it's, it modulates, it gets stronger, it gets weaker, it, um, it moves, it's, it's got a dynamic quality to it, then the, uh, the aversion starts to get replaced by curiosity. You know, that I can, oh, huh, what is this? And... So that's, that's um, kind of a short description of being able to apply mindfulness of feeling tone to this being sick. Uh, another area... So actually, I'd, I should probably ask, have, how many of you have heard of the Four Foundations of Mindfulness? Okay, well, yeah, probably half. 
Yeah. So these are kind of categories of, or different perspectives of looking at your experience and uh, being mindful of it. So the first one is, is being mindful of your body. The second one is mindfulness of the feeling tone of your experience. The third one is uh, mindfulness of mind states or mindfulness, you might say mindfulness of um, mental attitudes. You know, kind of like what's the, mm, what's the general vibe of your mind at the time? So for me, I find that sometimes when I'm sick or not feeling well or under the weather, um, there's a little sense of frustration. You know, there's frustration can be sort of a theme or irritation. Um, and that's helpful for me to, to know about. Um, on Monday, I received a package from my father. It was a UPS package with some presents that had been given to me at Christmas that he hadn't shipped to me yet because I had been traveling so much. And in opening them up, I was kind of in a hurry, and there was one gift that was wrapped in bubble wrap with tape all over it. And at first I thought, well, I'm going to carefully open this up. I'm going to tear the tape back. I'm going to save the bubble wrap. And then at some point I realized this is not coming apart. So I got my pocket knife and I started trying to cut this thing open. And the next thing I knew, I stabbed myself in the finger. And, you know, I was really kind of angry and frustrated, you know. And, and I found myself going towards, um, what was this person thinking that wrapped this? You know, <laughs> why did they wrap it the way they wrapped it? And then there was even another thought of, and why did this person give me this present in the first place? I'm not sure I even need it. And now here I am with a bleeding finger because of somebody's, um, I don't know, what, what am I going to say? Uh, what were they thinking when they gave me this? So, so it was helpful to notice, oh, that's, my mind is, it, it seemed fairly calm up until I started doing that. And then I realized, oh, there's a predisposition right now in the mind to be irritated and angry and frustrated. And that was helpful to know because right after that, I was getting in the car and driving up here for the Monday night sit. And I know when my mind is frust, you know, like when frustration and irritation is, are operating, watch out. You know, that, that's not a really good time to drive. But if you have to drive, it's a good time to really pay attention, you know, because, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen. You know, things can happen on the, on the highway in, you know, a second that can just trigger you off. So, so that was another thing that I was noticing is both the, um, you know, kind of unintentional uh, mind states that can arise. And then also noticing that there can be some other ones like a you know, sense of compassion, a sense of caring for myself, um, you know, a sense of wanting to take care of this body as best as I can. It's, 
So that's kind of a brief description of the mind states that I experienced in the last couple of weeks. And then, of course, thoughts themselves. You know, what kinds of thoughts arise. And so I've described some of those. Um, you know, some of the thoughts can be very helpful, like, um, does, this, does this condition require medical attention? Do I need to go and see my doctor? You know, get, I don't know, what he'd give me, antibiotics, I guess, or some kind of a test. Um, there can be judging thoughts that arise. Like I'm sick and I can blame myself. You know, thoughts of, what did I do wrong? You know, should I have worn warmer clothes? Should I have worn a mask when I w went on the uh, airplane? You know, should I, should I be eating better? Should I be getting more sleep? You know, um, you know all, all sorts of thoughts arise. You know, thoughts of... Mm, most, many of the thoughts were around kind of along the lines of this shouldn't be happening. You know, this is, this is a mistake. My body should be healthy all the time. And so recognize, you know, so starting to pay attention to the thoughts and I can recognize, well, which ones should I pursue and which ones should I just let go of? So, um, yeah, so that, that's that category. And then, well, and then the question arises, okay, Jim, so you, you've, you've practiced mindfulness of illness. What's the point? You know, what's the, what's the value in doing mindfulness um, when you're not feeling well, wouldn't you just be better off going to bed and taking a couple aspirin and uh, hoping that tomorrow is better? And well, in a certain way, that's true. I mean, you know, in a certain way, it's it's helpful to to do what one can to uh, support the body to um, you know to get appropriate nutrition, appropriate sleep, uh, appropriate medical care. And so uh, you know though that's an important aspect of it, but there's also parts of um, that I think it's not so skillful to take those times in our life when we're feeling that way and sort of take this, you know, this uh, yellow caution tape that they put around accidents or police, you know, uh, police accidents and things like that, saying, okay, you know, this is an exceptional place, don't go near it, you know. 
when we're feeling ill, that's just another part of being alive. It's, it's, part, of, it's part of the experience of, of living in a human body. And so uh, I think it's valuable to be able to be present for that, when, to be present when um, the body isn't functioning the way we'd like it to. So the things that I've, I've learned from this so far is, is one, um, as I said, the experiences are often a little bit more highlighted, a little bit more compelling than when I'm feeling well. So it's a little easier to do mindfulness. It's, you know, that it's easier to kind of stay with some of the experience. Um, and there's also the ability, f- learning, strengthening mindfulness, giving you the ability to stay with unpleasant experience as it arises and passes. Kind of learning to ride it out, like, like riding a wave the way a, a surfer might. And by being able to do that, that gives us a little bit more freedom. You know, that we don't, we don't have to shut down. We don't have to um, withdraw from what's going on just because it's, it's not comfortable. Um, let's see. So, and then a, another thing that I've learned from doing this mindfulness of, of illness is that the paying attention actually changes the experience. Where without paying attention, I noticed the energy was kind of, you know, it was kind of dragging and um, it seemed like sort of there was kind of a sinking feeling that would go on. That as there was less energy, then I would withdraw my my awareness more and more, and so the energy just kept sinking and sinking. By starting to pay attention, it actually um, increased the energy. It was like, oh, yeah, what is this? What's this like? Um, what's possible right now? What's, what's possible for me to pay attention to right now? And often it wouldn't necessarily feel the same as when I was well. You know, I mean, it, like it wouldn't necessarily be as um, crisp or as energetic. But still, there was enough energy to 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 keep engaged, keeping you know, staying engaged in my life. So you know, it, it increased by paying attention. It increased the energy. And that actually how can I say this? That that actually made being sick more interesting. I found myself less compelled to try to zone out or um, disconnect. And then, 
Oh, and, th and then another aspect is, so what I described in the first part of this talk about the four foundations of mindfulness, mostly were just um, receptive awareness, noticing what was present, you know, what the, f the physical sensations were like, what the uh, feeling tone of the experience was like, what the uh, states of mind were like, and what the thoughts were like. But I also started to find where, um, where I could actually take a more active role. So, for example, when I'd wake up in the morning, I'd think, you know, I'd, I'd, I might have a, a state of feeling a little bit of pity for myself. You know, a little bit of like, oh, poor Jim, you know, he's, you know, there's, um, yeah, just poor Jim. And then as I started to see, well, you know, that actually, self-pity actually wasn't very uh, interesting to me. You know, I mean, or it, it, it wasn't very, it wasn't something I felt like I really wanted to engage with. So then I moved to doing um, what's called Brahma-Vihara practice, um, seeing if I could cultivate compassion for this, for this body, for this slightly out-of-tune body. You know, it's like in need of a tune-up. And so by deciding to act, you know, take a little bit more active role, then I could notice, oh yeah, there's a sense of um, vulnerability that gets highlighted when you're sick. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a fragile, vulnerable being. And at, as, as those, as that experience arose, I realized, well, I could either that could either trigger anxiety, like, oh my God, you know, who's going to take care of me? Or it, for me, it would trigger compassion. Like, oh yeah, this is, this is what it's like to be a human being, that we're vulnerable, you know, that we're um, subject to um, dysfunction, and that kind of helped me kind of open my heart to my experience, to open up to it. It's like, okay, this is, this is what it's like. And can I wish myself well? Can I wish myself um, whatever sense of ease and well-being is possible? Uh, in a way... It's, it's, um, can I say yes? Can I say yes to the experience that I'm having? Rather than saying, no, this shouldn't be happening. It's like, yes, this, this is what's happening and open to it. And I find that valuable. And then maybe projecting a little bit into the future, um, 
I'm getting old. In a couple months, I'll get, be able to get the senior discount at the movie theater. <laughs> so I've been looking forward to that for a number of years, although now as I see the movies they're starting to make, they're all for people younger than I am. So I don't know what the senior discount's going to get me. But, <laughs> but nonetheless, um, I, you know, I spent time with my father who just turned 87. And, and my aunt, my, my dad's twin sister, who's also 87, and, and a lot of my peers, the people that I used to um, go to high school with, went to college with, you know, my drinking buddies, my sailing buddies, and, you know, starting to see these aches and pains, and um, I'll see, this breaking down of the body, it's not going to stop. I know which direction it's going to go. You know, it's, it's going to get... You know, things are going to continue to break down. Now, I mean, it's helpful to take care of yourself, to eat well, to exercise. You know, there's many ways that we can um, attend to our well-being that way. But nonetheless, the number of days that I'm going to have feeling like this undoubtedly are going to increase, not decrease as I get older. So learning to be able to be present for it, uh, engaged in life and um, accepting is valuable, you know, rather, rather than just shutting down and withdrawing, learning, to, learning that one can be present, uh, you know, even for this is, I think, is a valuable um, experience. And then well, finally, dying. I mean, sort of the ultimate breakdown of the body is when, when the body dies. And I've heard some wonderful stories. People, uh, or you remember Marty from, you know, like his last day was just, you know, smiling and happy, and he knew he was he was going and had just developed a sense of freedom so that final letting go could be very peaceful and, and beautiful. And that's not always the case. There's a hospice worker up in San Francisco, uh, Frank Ostaseski, who said, you know, most people, that, when they die, they leave skid marks. You know, <laughs> they've got the brakes on and they're trying, doing everything possible to avoid that final letting go. So um, maybe we don't have to, maybe the, the life of this body doesn't have to end with us leaving skid marks. We might be able to just um, let go in, into whatever is next with a sense of ease and grace and composure. So, um, learning to be present for these little minor aches and pains um, is kind of like having the training wheels on. So, um, so, I think that's about all I have to say about working with, you know, practicing. 
uh, with illness. So I'd like to open it up for questions or comments. Um, and I'm curious, do, do, other, do other people ever get sick? <laughs> do you, do you, how, you know, what's, what's your attitude towards being sick? What's, you know, what's, uh, what does that evoke? What, uh, how do you relate to it? Observation. One observation I have is that I've noticed that paying careful attention to one's body when it's not in good repair can sort of place a feedback loop in effect. Hmm. And so what I find is it's interesting to try to balance one's awareness of the parts that don't feel good mm. with the parts that simply are functioning mm. so that one's not just concentrating all of their energy investigating all the minutia of unpleasant sensation mm. but to try to have some balance because I find at least that I can get feeling much, much worse <laughs> by mm. paying a lot of attention uh. Um, that's my observation. That's all I have here. Great. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. Um, there was another part that I didn't talk about, which is noticing whether there's identification with the pain and identification with the body. Um, that one of, one of the aspects of mindfulness is as, I sh- I'm not sure I would say as we identify more, but as we are more with the awareness of what's going on and less with the identification of, of the actual experience, there can be more freedom. So I, I could imagine if you just keep, you know, just stay with one thing, that that, that could be, there could be some identification that solidifies around that. And, um, good, well, well, thank you. <laughs> so, um, so something I've noticed when I'm when I'm ill or tired or uh, itchy, my allergies have been acting up lately. Is the a lot of my my sense of of um, aversion comes from um, my body demanding attention. It's um, if I can just stop. If I'm not at work, right? If I'm at home, um, 
and I can just sort of pay attention to my body. If I, if I just, if I just let there be space, you know, the itch just kind of draws my attention to the itch. The tiredness makes me want to stop moving so much, or pain. It draws my attention, and the thing that I find um, inspires unhappiness during uh, during the illness is. Um, this uh, this uh, sense of myself that that I should be able to pay more attention to the things I'm doing. I should have more energy. I should be able to stay awake longer. And so there's the the fighting against the, just the reality of the state of my my body that um, that seems to be the 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 greatest source of unhappy the discomfort itself isn't it's just sort of it's just sort of there but but I have this assumption that I'll be able to just turn away from it and go do something else mm. you know the, the, the normal things and uh, and I can't really I can't pay quite as much attention just like you're you're saying when you have a predisposition to being um, agitated and then you get out in traffic and you can't you can't autopilot your car the way you might normally because you're you're more susceptible to uh, having your attention drawn to someone else's behavior and having judgments and being frustrated by that. Hmm. Great, thanks. Yeah, it's um, you know noticing those 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 should thoughts like practice should look like this right now. You know, I should be able to do this and that. Um, that can be really strong. Um, I think the other thing that I, f- I found kind of related to what you're saying is that being sick can kind of be a time when we can be a little bit more creative. You know, rather than thinking, okay, this when this happens, this is how I pay attention to it, to more like, well, this is happening now, and what's the best what's the best way I can work with it right now? What what's possible? You know, so kind of letting letting go of all of your letting go as much as possible of the ideas of how one would work with unpleasant or you know some painful sensations and just like how can i be with this right now with the energy that i have with whatever mental clarity or fuzziness i have just you know just more um maybe this isn't such a good example but i hate to admit it i sometimes when i have the television <laughs> Uh, I watch Gilligan's Island. <laughs> they have these old shows on MeTV. And I kind of think of like, well, if I'm stranded on a desert island and I only have certain primitive tools at, at my disposal, how would I handle things? And so being sick is a little bit like being on the desert island. With I don't, I don't have the full suite of tools that I normally have. You know, so then there can, there can be some creativity. Well, with 
how, how can I how can I be present and work with this as it as I am now? So does that resonate with you at all? It does. Okay. I like what you said about uh, what's possible. It reminds me Gil is always saying what what's it like right now and what's possible right now. It's a it's a very nice add on to that. Mm. I don't have quite something to say about illness right now, but today I worked on my taxes and I rode through a reaction of alarm. I got to a point where the brokerage statement and this other document did not sync, and so I'll have to do research. And the feeling of alarm that rushed up in me and then the urge to push it away and to like, no, 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 no. And then it was like, oh, that's helpful. You know, mm. and so I backed off and I experienced what the alarm and it was pretty cool. Mm. It was it was definitely an energizing faculty. Mm. It was like, pay attention, pay attention. And you know, I've got the computer up and I've got this, you know, smears of paper on the desk. And it was like, whoa. Mm. And it's it's a feeling that I push away. And then the pushing away is, is a very, very uncomfortable feeling. Mm. On top of, you know, the, the you have to get, do something, you know, ding, 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 mm -hmm. ding. But it, 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 it bore some similarities to the illness thing because it, there were portions of it that were distinctly uncomfortable and then portions that were surprisingly not uncomfortable once I actually stopped trying to push them away. Hmm. Great. And then how long did that sense of uh, alarm last when you stopped pushing it away? It didn't last more than a few seconds but I would go back to the paperwork and I would get it again every once in a while. It would be like, <gasps> you know, a little head rush there. It was like, okay, okay. And by that time, it was, it was sort of funny. It was like, oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, thanks, Maureen. I'm really glad I came tonight uh, to hear you speak about uh, illness and aging because I, um, I t too, am having this just a situation with my knee where, you know, I just, I love to hike and hiking is a way that I find a lot of rapture. 
And I used to run, but then that wrecked my knees. And, you know, but this has been a love affair for many years. Many, many years, every single day. And relentless, I'm out there. And, and now the beloved has seemed to have turned to poison because, um, you know, every day I put on my boots and then I hike and I think it's going to be different, but my knee gets worse. Mm. And, but I have this sort of thing like, well, it won't be worse today. Mm. But then it's... And I can't believe my body. You know, it's, it's all this, like, checking in with your body and all this mindfulness of body. Somehow it doesn't apply to my knee. And, uh, and all the feedback I get saying, I'm not okay. Stop it. You're hurting. You're hurting me. Mm-hmm. Whatever, it's, it's just very hard for me to acknowledge that I'm hurt. And to just say, well, what, what can you work with now? And simultaneously, I'm taking care of my parents who are really, really old. And, um, and they're just really f- just hanging on to everything for balance, just to keep from falling. And I get really annoyed with them, but then there's a voice in me that just says, you know, they're doing the best they can. And, and my behavior and feeling tones towards them are very kind and helpful. And yet I can't give myself that attention, that, that consideration, like, I'm doing the best I can. Mm-hmm. And um, take a break. Ease up. I can't take the advice I give to people I love for my own condition. And so I guess, you know, what I can just bring to it is just sit with it. How is it to be still today? How is it not to be hiking today? And to be mindful and attentive just to how it is Mm. and not be um, afraid of how it is Mm. because I think it's going to really suck. Mm. But, you know, even that, we work with what we work with and that's Mm. what I hear from you. Mm. And that nothing in this practice is beyond practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's another part I guess I didn't talk about in this, but there can also be grief. You know, that that some of this also, that this practice is also about letting go, letting go. You know, as you said, the beloved, you know, that there's, there's something that you really like about walking. And in the wisdom of taking care of the body, some of that wise action might be 
letting go and maybe even grieving for the loss of the ability to be in nature as much as you want. There, there, is, a good, there is a good form of grief, you know, that we do, you know, that when we acknowledge just the inherent loss in life. You could say that all of life, you know, a major aspect of life is loss, loss. You know, all of the things that, you know, uh, we lose our youth, we, you know, people come and go. And um, that's, that's how it is. And some of the ways we can acknowledge that that's the way it is is through a willingness to just grieve, recognize what it is that we loved and lost. So I hope you can hold that as well tenderly. Well, it's a couple of minutes to nine. If there's any other questions, I'm willing to respond to them. If not, um, I'm ready to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you all. <laughs>